Welcome to the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. In the interest of full transparency and disclosure, I am actually on vacation. We are recording this show prior to the start of the season, but I wanted to bring back a familiar voice, a familiar face, who's now got a different role, and we're going to do a little season preview with a guy you know and you love. You can follow him on Twitter, at Adam Vingan. Adam, good to see you, sir. How are you? I'm good. Nice to be back. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure it's wonderful. Uh, you can check him out at SportLogic, of course, at Adam Vingan on Twitter. Uh, all kinds of cool new stuff. You're going to be all over uh, Sportsnet and NHL Network, and you got some stuff at the Nashville scene that's up already. Uh, you're going to be kind of worked back into the rotation a little bit here on the Gold Standard, but we, we, uh, we're we glad to see you uh, still writing, talking, and blathering on about hockey. Uh, mm-hmm. And if you're a fan of the game and a fan of Adam's work, I imagine you'll have plenty of opportunity to consume his content. Uh, so just wanted to clarify everything. We're going to talk about sort of, we're going to do a quick team preview today on the show, but we're going to do it from Adam's perspective of giant nerddom. So we're going to just be giant nerds on the show, which I think you and I both are. You have definitely out nerded me uh, now that you work for the nerds. <laughs> uh, so we're going to talk about sort of broadly what this team didn't do well, did well last season. If we can keep an eye on some of those areas of improvement this year, uh, we'll talk a little bit about the rest of the division around the Nashville Predators. We will get into the big stars. Can, are they going to regress or can they replicate what they accomplished last year? What does the data tell us? Uh, Roman Yossi, Matt Duchesne, Philip Forsberg, Ryan Johansson. What do the new big names bring to the table? What can fans expect statistically from Ryan McDonough, Nino Niederreiter, those two names in particular, and maybe even toss in a, a nugget or two about Ellie Tolvanen's development at the end. And I, I might make you give me a final prediction as well, Adam. Are you okay with that? You know how I am with predictions. <laughs> You like to ride the way from week to week. Uh, yeah. that, that's your MO. Um, before we do, let's see, how, let's see how good you are at this. The gold standard is brought to you by... Jaspers. Yeah. yeah. All right. He's got it. Uh, here's the deal. Preds home and Rome game. Home and Rome? Home, although they're, they're close to Rome, uh, actually, yeah. last week. Home and road games. Jaspers, $10 smash burger, $3 beers free parking, great place to watch the games, gold standard cocktail named after this podcast. A lot of fun stuff over there. They are still, I, I think some have reported, uh, if you listen to the lamestream sports media podcast, uh, we have reported that Jasper's is in fact the number one rated sports bar in the city of Nashville by 440 sports. Uh, it's the number one of uh, on the list. Uh, hypothetically, if you were doing a ranking of sports bars in town, it's number one. So go check out Jasper's everybody. Great specials for you Preds fans. So go hang out. And of course, Weiss Liquors right over here in East Nashville. Uh, Uber Eats, Weiss Liquors right to your door. Search Weiss Liquors. They'll, they'll deliver booze right to your door in as quickly as 20 minutes. Great bourbon selection. Talk to Andrew, the manager. He will help you out. Uh, if you need a good wine choice, if you need a good bourbon choice, check out Weiss Liquors. Again, both companies locally owned and operated in Nashville. Weiss Liquors for almost 100 years. They've been in Nashville, owned and operated by uh, local owners here, a family uh, and maybe the coolest sign in the history of Nashville businesses. So Weiss Liquors, Jaspers, go check it out. Okay, Adam, first and foremost, last year's team, you and I have talked many times about the Nashville Predators. What's the worst place you want to be if you're <laughs> if you're an NHL team or a fan? What, what do you always say to folks? The middle. The middle. That's where this team has been four straight years losing the playoffs. Again, if you want Michael and my 
official predictions, go check out last week's pod. But um, what does what did this team do really, really like what what do the numbers say? What does the data say? What does this team look like on paper to you uh, in terms of things that they didn't do well last year that they can improve on this year or things that they did really well last year? that maybe we we should not expect to be as good. What, how broadly do we think this team will change from last year's production and, and win totals and all the other stuff to this year? At five on five, honestly, I'm not expecting them to change that much. They were a, a middle of the road team in a lot of ways last season in terms of generating offense at five on five, where I expect regression as a team uh, to manifest itself is on the power play. Um, they were tied for fifth in the NHL last season on the power play at 24.4%. But if you dig a little bit deeper, you know, they were, they were, I would say probably a bottom third team and a lot of the, uh, the analytics that tend to predict success on the power play. Um, so although they had a, you know, a successful power play just in terms of the opportunities they cashed in on versus the total opportunities. I think they, um, you know, what's the, like they punched above their weight class perhaps in in, on the power play based on some of the uh, underlying numbers. So I would expect a regression on the power play. I I do not expect them to be as uh, uh, successful in converting on the power play, if certain uh, if certain underlying numbers don't improve, um, so you know that 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 leads to an interesting question about how many goals they might score. Um, they scored uh, two hundred and sixty two goals last season, uh, and that was uh, tied for twelfth in the NHL. Um, I'm expecting that number to dip. I'm not expecting them to score as many goals as they did last season. In terms of a goals per game standpoint, they were at 3.2 goals per game. You know, I I would not be surprised if that number dips below three. Um, Mm. You know, it might be 2.8, 2.9, which doesn't seem like a lot, but over the course of the season, it does add up. So I think five on five, they were about what I anticipated them being last season. And, I think they'll probably be the same that the same in that regard this season. I am expecting, however, a I wouldn't say I don't know if I would call it a, a serious regression, but one uh, but one that you will definitely notice um, in terms of the number of goals scored on the power play. So uh, we talk a lot about in soccer in particular, we talk a lot about expected goals. Hockey's the same way expected, right? There's always sort of like expected and there's a lot of luck involved in shooting percentages and Matt Duchesne, of course, famously was, you know, undeterred by his play necessarily two years ago because he he realized the underlying metrics maybe told him, hey, I, you, you've been a little unlucky. You're still creating chances. You're still blah, 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 blah. What, what makes a power play like when you say something like, oh, this these are the things. And, and I don't I'm not talking specifically to the Preds here. I'm, I'm just mean in general. How can you be lucky or unlucky on a power play? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, when when I think about the things that make power play successful, you know, I, I you know, one one important thing, of course, is is to you know generate high quality scoring chances, which means working the puck closer to the net into the slot. I think of um, 
I think of the sort of passes that teams make, you know, allowing the goaltender or forcing the goaltender rather uh, to move from side to side, um, which makes it harder for them to, you know, to get situated and, and stop, uh, stop the puck. Um, unless, so, of co- unless of course you're UC Soros, in which yes, case you, you do that you, better than everybody. <laughs> right. If you're explosive that, you know, that certainly helps, but right. yeah, I just think, uh, you know, one thing I hadn't, I did not see, um, that I would be interested in, in looking at is exactly where, you know, the predators were taking the majority of their shots on the power play. Um, you know, they, they certainly have improved from the days of Shea Weber, where a lot of their shots were coming from the point which of course is a a low percentage shot. Um, But I I really just think it's the process in terms of how teams move the puck and where they're getting their shots from. Um, So, you know, I I think, I think the predators, you know, I think the predators cashed in on more lower percentage opportunities on the power play last season, you know, than you know, they probably, you know, then they probably should have. So something fans need to watch then early in the season is on the power play. Where are the chances coming from physically on the ice? If, if, especially with a guy like Nino Niederreiter, which we're going to talk about what he brings to the offense, he scores a lot of goals in the dirty areas. So for any, and, and during practice, he was lined up on the second power play team. It, for example, if they're scoring, if, it's funny you mentioned Shea Weber. I think Ryan Ellis, right? Like Ryan Ellis power play goals were always big slap. I will say the, one thing though that I did not make that I did not click, you know, that I want to include. The one okay. thing the predators were good doing on the power play was getting second chance opportunities. So okay. they, they they did they did score a lot of goals by creating rebounds and, and things of that nature. So that involves, of course, getting close to the net. So that is something that they were good at it's all but it's actually you know those first chance opportunities from the danger areas that they they would need to improve on so they get out hot and they have a really good power play but a lot of those goals are coming from the point that feels less sustainable right that's what we're saying here yes Uh, i mean just just as we talked about on 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 lame stream sports recently um about the uh and hey pretzel Pretzel's chiming in. Welcome back yes. to the pod, Pretzel. Yes, just as we talked about on uh, Lamestream, when we talked about basketball, how, you know, at this point in the NBA, yeah. you know, teams are prioritizing three-pointers and layups or slam dunks. And, you know, there are defensemen in the NHL that have excellent shots from the point and, and they can score those goals, but that's becoming less and less um, common and a lot of teams are moving away from that kind of setup on the power play. I feel like the Predators were one of the last teams to like really give up on that. <laughs> um, so, yeah. yes, I think the Predators are good at taking shots that lead to rebounds that lead to goals. But they're not great at actually getting the puck off from the danger areas. Okay, that's a, that's a, that's a good one to watch there. Is there anything on the other side of the equation, in your opinion, that that maybe they were unlucky with? And again, part of Ellie Tolvanen's conversation is going to be the shot percentage and what, what, what is a normal shot percentage for Ellie Tolvanen who's got a ridiculously talented shot, but hasn't been using it as effectively. So uh, is there anything on the other side at all? Cause again, this is a middle of the pack franchise for the last three or four years. Most statistics have indicated that this is a middle of the pack franchise. They've lost in the first round for four straight years. Like the, the entire point 
of re-signing Forsberg and acquiring McDonough and Niederreiter and shipping off all the pieces systematically the way they have the last few years is to no longer be in the middle of the pack. Is there anything at all that, that you've seen with this team from the last year, two years under John Hines that you think, oh, that could actually progress and get better this year? Yeah, and that's a good question. I mean, I think, and we'll talk about him a little bit more later, but I, I think the addition of Ryan McDonough yeah. should help the team improve defensively. Um, I do think that while UC Soros was, as we know, very, very good and, and saved a lot more goals than he should have based on those numbers, I feel like the team seemed to struggle at various points in the season at preventing the chances that uh, tend to lead to goals. And I think the addition of McDonough who is particularly good at preventing those types of shots um, should help the Predators become a defensive, a better defensive team. Now, am I expecting a a significant improvement just because of McDonough? I wouldn't say that, but I would expect an improvement in the Predators defensive abilities because of, uh, of the, of the caliber of defenseman that McDonough is. Well, and it and we'll get more into him and Nino and what they bring to the table in just a minute, as as well as sort of what what the big stars did last year and can they replicate it? Should we expect some small amount of regression, which I feel like is a, a natural thing to expect with all all those guys breaking all kinds of records? I I think what's interesting is and and Michael Gallagher said this on our episode last week, where if you look at Colorado, Minnesota, St. Louis. Um, uh, Dallas to some degree, I actually like Winnipeg better than Dallas. Um, although they just kind of like swapped coaches this off season. I think what's interesting is if you look at this national predators team, like if you look at the second line and top level scoring, they should be improved in theory. If you don't have a huge regression from the big stars, you just mentioned it defensively, they should be improved. The third line is going to be as good. The fourth line, we don't know what to make of it yet. The, the goaltending situation should actually be better because the backup is better and, and UC Soros should should not be used as much. So maybe maybe better. The point is, you could argue that even though Colorado is clearly the best team in the division, the favorite to win the Western Conference and to, to, to repeat as Stanley Cup champions, that they are not as good when you take, you know, Kadri and Burakovsky and all these guys away, Kemper away from the team. Do you agree with his sentiment that the Predators of all the contenders in the division, that the Predators are the only one that sort of like clearly got better while the rest of the division, maybe tiny, small steps back. Fiala's gone, you know, from Minnesota. Like, what do you make of that uh, statement by uh, Gallagher last week? I think an argument could certainly be made in that regard. And when you look at Colorado, for example, um, you know, Nazem Kadri is no longer there, um, but I still think that team is super good. So while his presence will be missed, I think they have enough talent to um, mitigate his loss. Um, so I'm not expecting them to take a significant step back. You know, losing Kevin Fiala was certainly tough for Minnesota, and I and I would expect them to you know, miss him significantly. He, I think he had like 85 points last season, but you've got Kaprizov, who's a star in the making. Um, so we'll see there, you know, St. Louis, you know, I don't think they did anything significant in terms of changes. They signed multiple players to, you know, big contracts, Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo, 
And unless I'm missing something, you know, they didn't make any sort of splashes during the no, they, lo- they They lost uh, David Perron, of course. Yeah, um, and Perron's who, a good player, but he's, he's a nice player. Yeah, he's a good player, but he's not, you know, the type of player that completely ruins a team's, uh, you know, team's uh, Stanley Cup hopes. You know, Winnipeg is an interesting one um, just because of, you know, a lot of a lot of change there. Um, and, you know, it's, you know, they're a team that needs a lot to go right in order for them to, to get back to where they were a couple of years ago. You know, I mean, yes, I mean, I would say that the Predators made the most obvious improvements, bringing in McDonough and Niederreiter. You know, the, the prevailing question is, is will those additions, um, you know, how, how much into, how much into the talent gap does that eat into versus Colorado versus Minnesota versus St. Louis? I mean, I think it does a little bit for sure, but I don't think it's something where the predators are going to, you know, leapfrog multiple teams. You know, I could see them, I could see them, finishing in the top three in the central division um, either second or third, but I, I don't see them winning the division. I don't see them, you know, really making up that much ground in Colorado. Um, so are they better? Yes. Are they significantly better? I, you know, as, as you know, as a natural cynic, I remain skeptical. <laughs> I guess it's just like, if you had to do a plus minus super broadly and super generically, right. And just say, plus minus, are you better than you were last year or worse than you were last year? I think the predictions for Colorado are a a tiny little negative. Uh, Minnesota, a tiny little negative. St. Louis, a tiny little negative. Dallas, maybe a bigger negative. Nashville, a tiny positive. And and I don't, that's a really unscientific way to to do it. But a lot of that hinges on, can the big names replicate their production? Now, I, I would I would start with Forsberg because I think and Gallagher said this last week that that his bold prediction is that Forsberg actually breaks Matt Duchesne's goal scoring record. I think Forsberg is capable of that, especially if he plays a full season. I think he could be the single season Preds goal scoring record holder. I think getting to 44 is not that is not outlandish to project for Philip Forsberg. I think a reasonable regression from Roman Yossi, considering how historically productive he was is is okay because I think you know the baseline for him is probably going to be pretty damn high. <laughs> the the questions I have are about Joe shockingly are about Johansson and Duchesne. <laughs> and the question is after a career year for Matt Duchesne and after his best season in, in Nashville for Ryan Johansson, what is the probability that those two guys or all four of them can replicate what they did last year? All right. So let's start with the most obvious one in my opinion. I think Ryan Johansson is absolutely going to regress. And it's as simple as just looking at his shooting percentage last season versus his career shooting percentage. And this is according to hockey reference. So this is easily accessible data. Last season, he scored 26 goals. He shot 22%. His career average is 11.7. There's absolutely no way he is scoring 26 goals again. I would expect him to be back to where he normally is, which is in the... 14 to 18 range. I, I Ryan Johansson had a really good season last year. It did go overlooked because of Forsberg and Duchesne and Yossi, but I, I, you know, he is a prime regression candidate. Yeah. Like I would expect him to score anywhere between 
eight and 10 fewer goals this season than he did last it, year. Is his regression more impactful than any other regression? Does that make sense? Well, I mean, I, I, I guess so just because of, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, certainly Duchesne and Forsberg are more impactful players than Ryan Johansson overall, but you know, and Yossi yeah. and Yossi, but losing that potentially losing that many goals is not, is not a small thing. It's, it's all, but it's also the role that he plays. Like he is the centerman on the power play. He is the, the toughest center. I know Granlin's a very good top line center, but like that's a different type of player than Johansson is. Nobody else does what he does, right? He he can kind of make it all go if he needs to. And that that's to, like, I guess that's why I asked that question. I, Roman Yossi's probably still, if Roman Yossi has a massive regression, that would probably still be more impactful than Ryan Johansson. But I don't know. I think I think Johansson's regression could have the biggest impact if that makes sense. Yeah, and then when I look at Granlin, for example, from a from a playmaking standpoint, if he's playing with Granlin, if he sorry, if, if Granlin is playing with Forsberg and Duchesne again, and those two have, and those two have, you know, similar seasons, then I would expect Granlin's assist numbers to be high again. Um, he's, you know, a lot of Granlin's regression is dependent, in my opinion, on the play of Forsberg and right. Duchesne. Right. So when you look at Forsberg and Duchesne, if I had to, if you had to, if you asked me, which you might have just asked me, but if you asked me <laughs> which of those two players were to be more likely to replicate last season, honestly, I would, I would say Duchesne is really? more likely to replicate that season than, than Forsberg. I mean, I just think that a lot of Duchesne's numbers to me, you know, a lot of Duchesne's numbers to me, last season offensively were more impressive and they weren't ter- they were not that far off from his numbers generally not saying that Forsberg's weren't either like I think I don't think Forsberg you know uh, you know I, Forsberg didn't have a Johansson like season where it was clear that he that he was you know out you know out kicking his coverage so to speak well I, what you're what you're saying is which season was more of an outlier right and again I'm I mean not, I think Forsberg I, love, I think I, Forsberg is capable of having a similar season to the one he did last year. But if if you if I had to if I had to guess which player of Duchesne and Forsberg is more like would be more likely to have a similar season, I would say Duchesne. I think Duchesne was a more dangerous player than than Forsberg was at various points last well, year. Well, you got to tell me why on that then, because Forsberg, it feels like that this was the natural progression for him to get to this point in his career based on talent and, and it doesn't feel, and again, this is, I I love math, but I'm not a, I'm not, you know, a statistician nerd here. I I need to know why you think that, because I feel like Matt Duchesne's numbers are more of a statistical outlier in his career, obviously based on age more than anything else. He's played a lot more games, but I I mean, the easy answer is injuries for Forsberg, right? Like that's an easy answer, like injuries. But if you take injuries off the table, and they both play, let's say, 75 games. They miss, you know, five, six, seven games, whatever, here or there. They both play 75 games. I, why, do you, why, are you, why do you go Duchesne? I think when you look at some of the things that Duchesne did last season, he did a lot of things that tend to lead to success. He, I think he was a better player getting shots off from the slot. I think he was a better player at... Uh, possessing the puck in the offensive zone. I think he was a better player at 
getting, you know, getting to the slot, you know, you know, collecting passes from the slot, putting himself in position to score those goals. I, I think he was, I think he was a far better player generating offense in the offensive zone than Philip Forsberg was last year. I think that's just based on the, the research that I've done. Okay. So I think that I'm again, I think is, is, is Forsberg relying more on natural ability. Is that what we're saying? I think there are, I mean, I think there are, I think I would say that Forsberg is a naturally more talented player than, than Duchesne, which allows Forsberg to get away with maybe not doing as many things that lead, you know, like, right, 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 right. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like like Duchesne is doing more consistently throughout his shifts to put himself in a position to be successful and productive. Whereas Forsberg is just, he's the guy who's just so talented sometimes that he's just going to score on that sniper shot from outside the circle where he probably shouldn't score from. Right. Correct. correct. (laughs) I think Duchesne, I think Duchesne's process last season was, was a lot more consistent than okay. force breaks. Okay, that's and, good. And I think that, and I agree. I think you said it. I think you said it well there. That Forsberg, you know, for like we, you know, Forsberg is talented enough to score goals from areas that most players are not going to score from. And Duchesne is talented too. And, and and not to say that he can't do that either. I just think that Duchesne, the the way that Duchesne attacked in the offensive zone and the in the positions he put himself in were were better and more consistent he was better at it and more consistent at it than Forsberg was all right fair enough you convinced me what about uh, Roman Yossi well I mean it had been what 30 years since a defense (laughs) scored that many points so he's not going to do that again but there there really isn't there really is you know I'm not I'm not expecting I'm expecting a drop-off but I'm not expecting him to go from 96 points to 65 points if he stays healthy you know, I I could see him going from 96 points to like 80 points. 82, yeah. Yeah, yeah. which is a, still a fabulous season for a defenseman. Yep. But everything you know about Roman Yossi remains the same in terms of his ability in transition and his, you know, his ability to generate offense and, and score. Like that, that remains the same. Uh, you know, I think because of how many players played so well around him last year, you know, that certainly helped him get to 96 points. So he's not going to have 96 points again, right, but right. he's going to have a really good season. Like, you're not going to have to convince me. You're not going to have to try hard to convince me that he's going to have 80. He, he's, but, Duchesne and, he's Duchesne and Forsberg together combined. He's the guy with all the natural skill and ability who does all the weird things that you're not supposed to do, be able to do consistently. And he does all the work to put himself in a position to succeed and be in the right spot. So I agree. There, there's obvious regression from him, but it's not because of quality. It's just it's just sort of the way it's going to have to be. You've already alluded to to Ryan McDonough and and we could talk about Nino Niederreiter here too. the two big offseason acquisitions. We know the defense is going to be better. I actually talked to Ekholm, uh, Matisse Ekholm about this last week. He just knows exactly where Ryan McDonough is going to be on every single shift. So there's just a, a consistency and a veteran presence and an experience level there that you just can't replicate. And we know that Nino Niederreiter, second line scoring 20, 25 goals likes to play in the dirty areas. Like we kind of, those are the broad generalizations about these two guys. What, mm-hmm. what statistically about the team, is that the right assessment of what these two guys bring to the table? Yeah. And I think McDonough certainly as he's gotten older, I think he has settled into a more of a shutdown role, which he was doing early in his career as well. But I think he had a lot more offensive responsibility when he was younger um, and, and on this team, he's not going to really need to do that with with Roman Yossi on board and 
but he is capable. He can play on the power play. You know, he, he has that experience, but you know, what made McDonough, what, what McDonough brings to the table one, he, he handles really tough defensive matchups. Like if he's playing with, with Matias at home, then the two of them are facing your McKinnons and your Kaprizovs and your, and your Robert Thomas's in division games and Ro- Jason Robertson's and, and Rope Hinson's like, that's the line that they're going to, they're going to defend. And, you know, what made, what made McDonough so good was he was always, he always seemed to be in the right spot and he was really, he's really good at just disrupting plays. He's good at getting a stick on passes and he's a physical player and, you know, that that's one thing that he really brings, uh, you know, to a team is overall his experience because um, he's been in the league for 12 years and it's one, you know, won the Stanley cup twice with the lightning. And, you know, that's certainly going to help. I, I look at, I look at just his ability to short circuit other teams, other teams offense, you know, by, by, by reading plays really well and, and getting his stick in passing lanes and, and things like that. So, you know, I think Ekholm struggled last year because, you know, the thing about Matias Ekholm over the past couple of years anyway, is he's, you know, since PK Subban moved on, Ekholm's sort of been the the shepherd for younger players. He was like that with Dante Fabro and he was like that with Alex Carrier. And those players are solid, but, he, you know, I, this is not meant to be, you know, derogatory towards Carrier and Fabro, but Ekholm in a lot of ways was babysitting and McDonough, you don't have to worry about that. McDonough's a pro. And I think McDonough is going to help improve Ekholm too. Like I expect Ekholm to be better this season because he's playing with Ryan McDonough. So, yeah, you know, that, that is, you know, I, so I think McDonough, I, if, if Matias Ekholm more than any other player is going to benefit from the presence of Ryan McDonough. Yep. Yep. And um, I think he, even he said that. Yeah. And I think with, with Niederreiter, you know, ba- you know what you just said. Generally, I think is very true. You know, I think, you know, he's a he's a demon on the forecheck, which we know that John Hines prioritizes. He's excellent at getting right in front of the net and scoring in front of the net, which you know has gotten better for the Predators in recent years, but has always kind of been a a, a sore spot for them. Um, and you know, one thing about Niederreiter that is a bit uh, overlooked is he's he's really improved defensively. I think last season he mostly played in Carolina with Jordan Stahl and Jesper Fascht, and they were basically the team shutdown line, but he still scored 24 goals. Niederreiter did. So I yep. think it certainly helps. He's, he's a definite improvement offensively on the second line with Ryan Johansson, but he also brings a, a, a he also brings defensive responsibility. So I think he's going to help on both ends of the ice. So Yep. I think McDonough and Niederreiter, you know, fit the profile of what this team needed. And, you know, they're, they're, they're talented players, they're skilled players and they're physical players. I, I think that fits right in with what the Predators want to do. So that's why I think a lot of people are excited about their arrivals is because they fit right in with what the Predators want to do on both sides of the puck. Uh, all right. So quickly here, as we, as we wrap up, um, any underlying development numbers for Ellie Tolvanen that people that, that can get people excited about, I know his shooting percentage was way down and he's got a shot that should be way better than that percentage. And that's an easy thing to look at. 
He's been focused very heavily on his 200-foot game and playing defense, and we know John Hines will bench a guy if they're not playing defense. So just real quickly here before we wrap up, just your thoughts on the development of Ellie Tolvanen specifically. I mean, I would expect him, you know, just like we were talking about with um, with Johansson, I expect an opposite. I expect the opposite with um, with Tolvanen. I do expect him to be a little bit better offensively this year just in terms of the number of goals he scores. Um, but, you know it's not very exciting that he's a better defensive player, which he is um, because that's not necessarily what he was brought here to do. Um, I think one thing that will really help Tolvin in is if he gets more power play time, he was not on that top unit last year, which was really, really good. Um, I I think, you know, he needs more power play time. Um, I think if, you know, because we know that on the power play, he's, he's excellent because he can, he can create that shot and set himself up for that shot. I think if he gets more power play time, I think those gold totals will increase. Okay. So I think I think his his production this season is largely dependent on how much power play time he gets and who he's playing with on the power play. If he's not playing on that top unit, he needs to play with, you know, similarly skilled players, you know. No disrespect to like Nick Cousins, you know, who got a lot of power <laughs> play time last season for some reason. But like if, no Brad Richardson's for Ellie Tolvin. Right. No. So if no. yeah, if he gets I, I am, solid power play time. On on the second unit, he'll be fine. I am slight. I am bull. I'm like a a, a tiny bullish on Ellie Tolvin and making some progress this year. All right, so I'm gonna get your final predictions on where the Preds finish real quickly here. Go to Jasper's, everybody, over on West End. Great drink specials for all Preds games. Make sure you swing by Weiss Liquors as well. They can deliver the booze to you. Search Uber Eats. They can deliver the booze right to your house in as quickly as 20 minutes, which is as fast as Roman Yossi can get up and down the ice, uh, entering and exiting exiting the zone. All right. Adam Vingan, the Nashville, where do the Nashville Predators finish in the division and do they win a playoff series this year? I I, I think my gut tells me they're going to finish in third place. I think they're going to finish in third place behind Colorado, and my guess is probably Minnesota, um, which means they would draw Minnesota in a first-round playoff series. I, I, you know, Do I think they win a playoff series? I think they yeah. could. I think they could. <laughs> but honestly, they better if they want to convince yeah, no, I agree. they're on the right track. So I would say third place in the Central. Check out Adam's on uh, work on the Nashville scene in the post. You can see him on NHL Network. You can catch him at Sport Logic. You can follow him on Twitter at Adam Bingen. He's going to every now and then drop by the Gold Standard Podcast as well throughout the course of the season. Great to see you, my man. Thanks for hanging out with us. Follow him again on Twitter at Adam Bingen. Thank you for hanging out. My name is Braden Gall. Thank you guys for listening. We'll be back regularly scheduled programming next week right here on the Gold Standard Podcast on the 440 Sports Network.